0: saying this. Christians were fools. I remember saying that. Christians are fools. Um, And as a young adult, and then as a later adult, I actually I I just thought it was just a silly superstition. And I had no use for it. Um, Then I met this wonderful woman over here, Jill, whom I married. Um, And Once we started getting serious, and if anybody knows my wife, she basically gave me an ultimatum. You're going to go to church with me or we're done. So we started attending Live Oaks way back in 1998, I think, um, over at Memory Lane, when it was over at Memory Lane uh, Church. And, okay, fine, I can do this. This is a nice, it's a nice Evening, these are nice people. You know, I can sit and I can listen. I can help out, do whatever I need to do. Um, started reading the Bible. And I slowly started coming around. But I sat there and I thought I was doing all the right church stuff. I was 35 when I started attending church. But for six and a half years, I sat there listening to Kelly and other people in the body. I had not accepted Christ yet. I was just sitting there, think of it as the simplest workspace. I was going through the motions, I was here on Sunday mornings, and then I was just my own man. Um, then I had a family crisis happen uh, when I was 43 years old. And as an adult male American, I'll deal with this. You know, I'm a rugged individualist. This is my problem. I'm going to solve this problem. It's my family. I'm the one who's going to fix it. And I realized I couldn't do that. And it scared me. So I remember one morning before church, I went and was telling Kelly this, and Kelly prayed for me. And this was during a church service over at Peterson Elementary. We were meeting over there. And I am in there and I am just so worried and frustrated and scared that I just, for the first time, I honestly asked God for help. I told him, I said, Lord, I cannot fix this problem. I cannot do this myself. I need your help.
1: I believe there's
0: this entity of God, but Lord, I personally, I need you to come to me Come in my life, and you need to help me solve this. And there was just, it was like the biggest, warmest hug I ever got. That's what it felt like to me. And all of a sudden, the fear and the frustration, it it just went away. And it was like just this sense of calm and peacefulness come over me. The best way I can describe it, it's a contentment. For me, that was, been my, that was my experience. And it was like, in my head I heard, it's okay. I got this. You don't need to worry about this. You know, you are now mine. And it freaked me out. You can ask my wife about that. It, it, it absolutely did. It, it, it actually bothered me for a while. But that's the point where I realize that God is real. He is my Heavenly Father. He is the one that I have to trust. He is the one that brings joy and peace to my life. And there is no such thing as true peace, true joy, and true contentment without the Holy Spirit. And when he entered me, I became a different person. However, I will say though, that doesn't mean all my worries and problems and my issues went away. But now I was able to deal with them and cope with them better than I was before. Um, I'm just going to mention a couple of verses that really helped me out through this process. Um, The first one is Hebrews 11.6. And but first, if you can put Hebrews 1 through 11, um, I'm going to read this, if we can read this together, um, And then I'll, I'll tell you my story about this verse. Excuse me. Kay. Okay. OK. I'll just do this Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. By faith Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith he was comm- commended as righteous. When God spoke well of his offerings. and by faith Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. And this is this was my aha one of my aha moments. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And and without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That passage right there, it it got me to thinking. Um, Okay. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Okay, fine, but what does faith mean? Up until this moment, I accepted him. I, I really, honestly, didn't put much thought into it. Um, but to me, what, he's, what he was talking to me about here was trust. That, that faith is trust. Not just in that he is um, this entity that's out there, but that he's personal. He's mine, and I can trust him to do what's best for me. Um... And then I kind of got hung up on, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. Well, I'm like, okay, fine, like I said, fine, there's this thing out there called God, it's a concept, you know. Um, just this concept of idea of this entity. Um, but what I came to was that his, his existence, it doesn't mean that he's just this, this, this idea, like I said, he's personal, he's real, he's loving, he is my father and I can trust him and that his will is what's best for me, sometimes mine isn't um, and the biggest thing is I can talk to him. Like I said, he's personal, he's someone I can talk to, I can have a conversation with. Um, And he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And I'm like, okay, fine, rewards, rewards. What's he talking about? And to me, what that means is the reward is the Father. The reward is Jesus Christ. The reward is Christ dying on the cross for me so that I may now live with God. And that's kind of... It took several times of me reading this to realize that. Um, Also now, Isaiah 53. Um, This, several weeks ago, Grant mentioned the servant songs in Isaiah. This is the biggest one of the servant songs. And it actually begins in... 52.13, but I'm going to take it up just verse 53. Now, I'm just going to warn you. I can't read this without getting emotional. This, to me, this is the most beautiful passage in the Bible. In fact, I'm going to start at 52.7 and then we'll pick up here. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations and kings and and will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see. And what they have not heard, they will understand. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot. And like a root out of dry ground, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took upon our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our inequities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed and forgiven. To me, that was, we're forgiven. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the inequity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears silent. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from... "'Cut off from the land of the living, "'for the transgression of my people he was punished. "'He was assigned a grave with the wicked "'and with the rich in his death. "'Though he had done no violence, "'nor was any deceit in his mouth. "'Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him "'and cause him to suffer. "'And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, "'he will see his offspring and prolong his days, "'and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. "'After he had suffered, "'he will see the light of life and be satisfied.' By his knowledge my righteous servant will be will justify many, and he will bear their inequities. Therefore I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death, and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made the intercession for the transgressors. I like this passage from a long time from the first time I read it years ago. But it took me seven years not seven, several years, verse 10, yet it was the Lord who crushed him and caused him to suffer. I didn't get that for the longest time. Part of my problem with truly accepting Jesus was I'm not worthy. How can that loving a God care about something like me? And it basically took me Years, and one day I was just reading through this, and I read that, and it just struck me, it was the Lord's will to crush him. That I always kind of thought of the crucifixion as it's a contract. God made this contract with mankind. Mankind broke the contract. Therefore, someone had to uphold the contract. And for the most part, I just looked at it that way and it was like, okay, God, so you had to do this to square, basically to square the books and make everything right. But he didn't have to do that. He's the creator of everything. He can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. It was the Lord's will to crush him. The father... The father sent the son to die in my place. And the son freely went. Jesus went to the... He did not have to do that. But he went there for me. He went there for everybody. He went there for the world as a whole. And he went there for every individual. Um, If that's not what love is... I. You know, there's not a better definition to me in the Bible, anywhere in there, or anywhere, of what love is. And that's what allowed me to get over that hang-up of feeling guilty and the shame. And everybody's probably got their own personal experiences and the verses where that speak to you. Um... This is just uh, two of the verses that really spoke to me and that helped me in my walk and my path to come to Jesus. Um, In conclusion, don't be afraid to share your story with other people. I was the guy you're going to be talking to if you talk to somebody, all right? I'm the evidence. I'm the proof that that can happen. Now, with me, thankfully, it was... It was, it was my wife. Um, don't be afraid to of being told. Well, that's silly. I got told it was mental illness. At work, one time, sharing with with a guy, he goes, "Well, he goes, that's mental illness." Because I just basically just told him, in a shorter version, what I just told you guys. Um, the most real thing that's ever happened in my life was that experience. It's, more, it's just as tangible or more tangible as touching this or seeing all you sitting out there in all your faces. I'm not saying you got to go stand on a corner and you know, preach or anything like that, but if an opportunity presents itself, talk to people. And and, and in my experience, the best thing you can tell them, too, is be an example, answer questions if they have them, and don't push them. If they're not interested, they're not interested. And the best thing I think I can say is find out for yourself. Read the Bible. Because that was my experience. That's what I had to do. Um, so just pray for each other. Pray for non-believers. Pray for anyone whom that God touches your heart with, and you should pray for. And start speaking the word. Christians have become so almost enclaved in, in, in themselves. Our job is to go talk to the world. And the thing is, and I'm proof of this, the reason more people don't believe is because they haven't been told what the truth is. They're believing what the world's telling them. Okay? So just speak the truth to them, be honest with them, and just, just, just spread the word. Um, I'd like uh, Nick to come up, and he's going to lead us in a song here at the end. And then I'll close this in prayer. We're going to, I'm going to, sorry, I'm trying not to step on toes or anything, but we're going to do something a little different that we didn't quite talk about. Um, We're going to just take a a few moments, and we're going to pray. You can pray individually or in groups or whatnot, but I just want you to pray about those in your life that don't know God.